Hey, y'all, I got a question for you. What's a piece of gear that you maybe have unintentionally overlooked in your rig throughout the years? Well, for me, it's always been guitar cables. I figured ah, it just goes from the guitar to the amplifier or the guitar to the pedal board to the amp. And if one breaks, whatever, I'll just go buy another one. No big deal. Thanks to the fine folks at Runway Audio, though, I have finally seen the light. Runway Audio is based in Nashville, Tennessee, which is awesome for me because that's right down the road. But it's awesome for you as well because Runway has the best cable on the market. And what makes it the best, you ask? Well, it has the lowest capacitance of any cable on the market right now at 20 picofarads per foot. And pretty much all that capacitance is is the ability to store an electrical charge. The lower the capacitance is, the less tone that it sucks from your cable from your guitar on the way to your amplifier. So if you're in the market for anything cable-related, whether it's instrument cables, patch cables, XLR cables, speaker cables, power cables, you name it, Runway Audio has got you covered. And if you go down to my link tree, click the link for Runway Audio. Any purchasing you will do, I will get a little bit of a kickback from that, which is always appreciated. So check out all the awesome stuff that Runway Audio is doing and pick something up to get the best tone possible. This episode today is brought to you by Stringjoy Guitar Strings, the finest strings on the market. For me, it has been the Orbiters that have been my absolute go-to ever since they've come out, and that's their coated electric strings. But if the coated thing's not your thing, totally get it. The signatures in the Broadways in their electric line, top-notch quality. For acoustic guitars, they have their Naturals and their Brights, along with the Foxwoods, which are their coated Fosper Bonds. For all you bassists out there, too, they have the Signatures and the Rangers. Full disclosure, the link down below is my affiliate link, so if you would like to check out Stringjoy, click that link down below. Not only will you be getting the finest guitar strings on the market, but you'll also be helping out this podcast, which I greatly appreciate. So head on over to Stringjoy today. I'm not even close to the tip of the iceberg of all the awesome things that Stringjoy does, so click the link down below and check them out for yourself. Welcome back to Man the Helm Podcast. Mike and I are back. It's been a little bit of a two-week hiatus between me having sick kids and myself getting sick, so I definitely apologize for <laughs> any missed episodes, but, you know, such is life, man. That put that that really knocked me on my butt, man. Not going to lie. Yeah, so. I don't... My wife got sick, I think, with the same thing. I don't know how I avoided it, but I'm yeah. glad I did. I'm glad you did, too. I don't envy anybody, whatever it was. I don't, like I said, I don't know... I'm pretty sure it wasn't anything crazy, but it definitely for like a day and a half was just, I think I slept for like 24 hours, dude. So it was bad. Well, who knew germ for real? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's the, uh, birds aren't real? That's the, yeah, germs aren't real. That's what I'm going to start. Germs yeah, aren't real. Well, germs aren't real and birds are owned by the CIA. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, um, I almost made a poor financial decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a uh, 1947 Gibson 125 that a uh, private, uh, somebody had passed away and he uh, kind of gave his collect- his whole collection up to um, charity, but it was going to go through Music Central up here in Hopkinsville. And um, I had seen all of the cases and stuff, but I didn't, I, and I saw like a list of stuff, but I hadn't physically seen a lot of the guitars and they had it out um, last Saturday when I was doing lessons. And dude, like I'm not really big into like the big jazz box guitars, but there were a handful of things that that guy had that were just. Well, it's like all those peerless guitars. Yeah. I was like, don't really see that many of those anymore. No. And then like that, like uh, there was this weird like Del Vecco resonator something or other. Yeah. Well, he had that Del Vecco and he had a Jose Ramirez. Yeah. 1966. Uh, the with the uh, flamenco uh, tapping mm-hmm. on the body, I was like, 
you know, if you ever wanted to get rid of something for free, Dude. I will gladly take it. Well, and there were a few amps there. I actually think... Um, well, I they, think... They, he had a 71 Baseman, I yeah. believe it was. And it was like 600 bucks for yeah, a watt head. I something was like... crazy like that. Well, he also had a uh, an old Princeton. I think it was a very... Uh, I want to say it was a 60s Princeton. I can't remember what year it is. But um, it actually belonged. It was it, it was a sixty. It was a sixty-eight. Oh, was it? Okay, that's yeah. what I. Th- that's what I thought. I just couldn't remember. Yeah. Uh, but that actually, I, I believe that one was owned by uh, Chet Atkins, and him and Chet were like, kind of like. Well, buddies. he was big finger picking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, Thumb so. picker, yeah, yeah. So, sort of thing. But um, I will say, uh, the only reason I I didn't buy that was because um, all of those went for auction. And two things. One, it was all going to charity, so I didn't need to, you know, get in the way of that. But also, if an old guy that has money wants to get in a bidding war with me, he I'm going to lose. <laughs> He's betting five more dollars than me. A fact. Well, he won. Yeah, he won. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like that Jose Ramirez starting bid was $7,500. Right. Because those guitars go for 10 plus. Yeah easy yeah and i was like yeah i was like even if i did want this and there might be a limited market on who decides sure to try to go get it first of all financially i was already limited from the jump and number two there's no way i could outbid someone if they really wanted that because you could easily clean it up and throw it on reverb for 10 11 12 grand yeah and you're probably gonna get it eventually yeah, and it's one of those things where I just don't know what I would really do with something like that anyway. You know what I mean? Because it's not going to leave the house if I got something like Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you know, with kind of how everything goes on a day-to-day basis, I mean, you know, we're especially just with recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I could definitely see that. The only thing that like if I was going to get that, I was telling myself it was going to be an investment because it was so clean. It hadn't none of the uh plas- or none of that white plastic had yelled at all. Well, you know, none like, of the cuz I'm pretty sure it had the uh, none of the binding was chipped. No. None of the finish was chipped. It didn't even have like it may have had like a couple surface scratches. A little bit of checking on the body, but nothing crazy. I mean, what you would expect exactly. of a guitar that was 70, 80 years old now. Yeah. But 70 years old. That's the big, that's the only thing when I was, you know, I was talking to my folks about it and just like, man, you know, I've never seen something this clean. You know, that was the biggest thing. And it would have been nice to have something like that. But once again, oh, like, yeah, for sure. It, it I'm, I'm happy whoever got it. I hope it's going to a good home and I'm, glad that a lot of money was you know put forward to whatever charities that that gentleman wanted it's his own charity it is i didn't know that okay yeah yeah. it was his own charity okay good but um terrible that i can't remember the name though (laughs) well i'll I'll find out we'll put it in the show links down below if anybody wants to donate to that charity yeah good podcasting right here not prepared for that anyway (laughs) um one thing they do still have out of his collection i believe that i'm actually thinking about picking up is that um that PV Delta Blues. Yeah, that thing was super clean. And I was like, these are... A lot of those PV amps are way undersold. Oh, yeah, dude. For what they are. Because they're pretty much... they're Especially the... Um, not the Delta Blues, but the... I think it's the Classic Blues. Or the Classic... Classic 30. Classic 30. Mm-hmm. That is an amazing amp. Yeah. And they had one at that guitar center up in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I was like beating myself up that I did not. Because they, they only wanted like 200 bucks. Yeah. And I was like, these amps are, the the 30 is the same circuitry as the, not the bass breaker, but the basement. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. It's the same. It's almost the same amp. Mm-hmm. And I was I was beating myself up. I was like, I really should have just went ahead and got it. Just, Dude, I'm telling you, man, anybody that sees like any of those classic PV amps or even like that, like oversized head, what is that head that P 
PV made. Win the Windsor. The PV yeah, Windsor. Yeah, the Windsor. Dude, if you can find, and those are so cheap too, man. You know, like, and it's a workhorse of an amplifier. And it's just big and loud and beefy. It's great. Yeah. You know, and like you said, you can find them on the used market for a couple hundred bucks and you have a phenomenal amplifier. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one thing that as I've gotten older and played more <laughs> and, you know, kind of owned a different variety of items mm -hmm. is that I've realized like, you know, you really have to kind of put that, put the name aside and really invest into what makes that yeah. piece of equipment work. Like, I mean, you can get into the whole guitar thing for ages and ages and ages. And I saw a video not too long ago because, you know, people will say like, cheap guitars obviously they're made of like they, they're probably put in like mdf in the middle to fill them out or, sure or some or they're made of mdf or plywood or whatever and he's like chopped a like 75 or 75 dollar guitar in half and was like the same wood grain that is showing up on the uh, on the face of it, because it was kind of like the uh, the squire you have mm -hmm. the with the burst on it. Yeah, but it had the wood grain showing through, and it was the act. It was just the wood grain of the guitar. Yeah, and he was like seventy five bucks, and he was like, it it was a two slot body. Yeah, and it's like the quality, you know, the quality of timber is obviously going to be different, but as far as like the end of the day, it's a piece of wood with electronics. Dude, it, it it comes down to if it sounds good, it is good. Yeah. If if it if if you can sit and play with it and it inspires you to play, it doesn't matter what anybody on the internet thinks about it. No. It's good. You know that's and we've said it before. I think you know is is too many guitar players play with their eyes and not their ears. You know, and and that's the biggest thing with me. You know, obviously, like for instance, that that forty seven one twenty five, right? Yes. Immediately when I saw it, I was like, ah, but sitting and playing with it, I was like, holy shit, this thing sounds and plays great. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's the biggest thing with me. It's like, I don't care what, a what the brand name is of every, anything. As long as if I can plug in and inspires me to play, we're good, man. Yeah. We're good. We're uh, good. It's like, you know, you run into the shopping with your eyes. It's the same reason why I like PRS guitars, but I don't like to play them. Sure. I like to look at them. Yeah. Aesthetically. They're beautiful. Yeah. But I've never picked up a PRS and been like, this is a fantastic, my favorite guitar of all time. Yeah. I, I've never, the one that I'm really kind of wanting to play on now is that, um, the NF, the narrow field, like that tele variant they have. Yeah. Just because it's not really a telly, but it's a different kind of PRS, so I kind of want to see what that's all about. Well, it's like, I like the Silver Skies, but sure. I mean, it's a Strat with a 3x3 three three tuner instead of a inline 6. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing is, like, once again, like, I, I you can get on the, the gear forums or wherever, and, and the people that'll tell you that, well, actually, it's, it's not a Strat, it does this, it does that, or it's like, okay, cool, that's awesome. But for me personally, it's a Stratocaster. Yeah. That's, that's what Well, it... any type of, not really any, but it's relatively the same body shape. Yeah. It's a bolt-on. Yeah. It's three single coils. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm being kind of biased. five-weight blade. Yeah. I'm, I'm being kind of biased just because I've seen them and I've never played one, so I can't be completely objective here. Maybe I would play one and think it was the best thing I've ever played in my life. I don't know. That being said, though, I just it doesn't appeal to me for some reason. It's just not my thing. Not not to say that they're not good and people don't that play them. Well, I I find more people fighting over getting a color of a sure. guitar than I do find them going. This is the guitar for me. So, you know, if, if you're gonna sit there and argue over finishes instead of whether people like to play it or not, then you've kind of already. Like you've already been kicked out of the chat on as far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah, I like aesthetically, like I think it's important 
but it's not really that big of a deal well, for the th- me. The thing is, is if it's so damn important, you could refinish it yourself. Well, that... Or you could get it refinished by someone else. If you really wanted Dragon Fruit Express or Ice right. Lemon or whatever crazy color you want to talk about or finish, you know, if, if that's the most important thing to you, you can go get a $90 guitar and go spend $1,000 on getting it repainted. I was just about to say that because <laughs> all, all you got to do, go on go on Tolman's website, get yourself a Harley Benton Strat, Telecopy, whatever you want to do. And, you know, take it somewhere where they're going to strip it and refin for you. Yeah. Like, it, if that's all you cared about, then knock it. Or if you want the tree of life on your fretboard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm so tired of seeing tree of life on fretboards. I feel like that would just feel like I, I almost feel like it'd be too busy for me to look at. And I would get distracted if I had something like that on well, my fretboard. <laughs> I, had a, I had a semi-hollow with it yeah. on there. But... Mind you, it was a budget semi-hollow. Sure, it sure. Was, I think it was a court. But, you know, it was cool. But the guitar sounded like crap. So it had like a cherry red finish with... Or like a cherry red burst finish with mm-hmm. a tree of life and gold hardware. Yeah, yeah, Cool. It looked amazing. But it played like, you know... I've played a tin can better than I've played that guitar. The guitar was terrible. Well, I think that's one of the important things too. If you're going to buy like, like amplifiers and stuff like that, I want to feel it when I'm playing it. I want, and also same thing with guitars that the only thing that I will buy just on a whim that I'm, that I haven't actually played through is pedals, man. Cause it, yeah. Yeah. To a certain extent. Sure. Well, what I'm getting at is like, okay, if I know that this pedal is a variant f- off of a uh, fuzz face, I have a relatively good idea of what it's going to sound like already. And, you know, the minor tweaks that they're going to have to it are just going to be like a pleasant surprise when I plug it in for the first time. You know what I mean? But as far as like guitars and stuff, I've bought guitars online in the past and cheap guitars. And the only reason why I bought those is one, because they're inexpensive and I don't care if it comes out of the box and I have to do a little work to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, you know... With amplifiers, I don't think I could ever buy an amp online, man, because I have to like physically feel the amp pushing air. Well, I've I've bought an amps online, but I already knew what they did. Sure. Okay. So, I mean, I I, I bought it <laughs> online and you know got it shipped to me. I was in Kuwait at the time, so mm-hmm. it wasn't like I was gonna send a stack to myself. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, you got to get it back. Yeah, you got to get it back. And that shipping on going back was way more. But, you know, it, is it nice to have something pretty? Yeah, of course. I mean, who doesn't want a pretty guitar? Regardless of what that means to you. If it means if it's aged and checked up or sure. it has a vintage finish or it's, you know, visually very beautiful and pretty out and candy coated and whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, if, if I get a PRS SE, sorry to be calling out Paul Reed Smith. I know he makes great guitars, but it's just not my cup of tea. Right. But if I see dragon fruit or mint, whatever, or wh- whatever damn color it is, I, I that, you know, and then watching it go right on reverb. I know this is the same dead horse we beat all the time, but see it go right on reverb, and then they're going to charge like five thousand dollars for a color. Yeah, I was like, I was like, congratulations if you ever sold that, but if you did buy that, you're an idiot. Yeah, because it's a color. Yeah, yeah. Speaking <laughs> speaking of which, um, I saw a funny post in the Wampler Tone Group. Um, they just finished up their last. Um, batch of the germanian tumnuses to get out for that pre-order they had and uh somebody in the comment of it of that post was like oh what the heck i paid top dollar for this off a guy on reverb and i can't believe you guys have more that are coming out okay first of all he didn't understand that this was the last batch that was already accounted for it's not like it's a new batch of anything no second of all it is nobody's fault but your own for going on reverb and paying five, 600 bucks for a pedal that was originally 180 facts. 
I watched someone that bought a Klon, the the not a Klon, yeah, JHS, the ninety nine dollar pedal that you make yourself, or well, you put together yourself, yeah. Some moron, I think it was like eleven hundred dollars they spent. I was like, you literally spent the cost of eleven of these instead of just the one. When because you could not be patient. Exactly. It's not like enough. those and they're and they're continuing to make more. Yeah. And they're going to make more. You can't get it right now. I, I understand sometimes you need that the right thing right now. Sure. And you're willing to pay a little bit more, but not uh, you know, a thousand percent more, whatever that is. Yeah, Quick dude. Uh, Ryan Burke was talking about this on the 60 cycle hum podcast, man. And he was just like, if you want to stop these people from scalping, stop buying from them. Yeah. It, and like, these were, and these were licensed shops on reverb that were doing it. Yeah. And I was like, if you're a licensed dealer on reverb, and you want to scalp, then you don't need to be selling those products because they had uh, some. I'm not gonna name it. Sure, sure, sure. But I, I watched them, and they got one of the silver skies of the custom color or the crazy color that they were only gonna make like 500 of them. I think it was like that silver burst one. That oh they yeah, 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 yeah. They got two. They immediately took them, put them at price, for like less than 30 seconds and then i watched as it came with a new price of two thousand four hundred ninety nine dollars the price of one of the signature cusp or the signature series mm. not the se version right 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 yeah so they were charging a guitar that's normally like 799 dollars and they were charging the price of an actual one and people bought them well, once again, it's it's nobody's fault but your own if you're going to if if you have to have something like that and the market set that price, it is your fault for spending that money. It is nobody else's fault. It's not the company's fault that made a limited run of this. It's not yeah. any it's your fault. If if you are if you need that quick of that immediate gratification of getting it now, okay. Yeah, pay that. If that's what you want to do, I personally never would. No, never. It, it It's not worth it because all you're doing is reinforcing the fact that they can do it. Yeah. And if you're going to keep reinforcing the fact, then don't sit there and complain about it. Well, it's the same thing. Like it's the same thing when Josh did, Josh Scott did that thing on the bad monkey, man. All of a sudden, oh, good God, you know, all of a sudden a $60 pedal was going for thousand dollars or some crazy shit. You and know, it's just because of a clone. I get it. It's a cool pedal. It's it's it does amazing unicorn fart dust magic. But at the end of the day, it's just a damn pedal. Yeah. And the circuit board, you can buy the parts for the circuit board. It's not hidden under the goop anymore. Dude, my favorite thing that I've ever heard Brian Wampler say on a podcast was it's literally math and circuits. That's <laughs> all it is. That's literally it. There's nothing magical about it, you and, know? And, and the most amazing thing is someone put up, I think it was a Reddit post, and they explained how to build it yourself. And if some random guy on Reddit can figure it out, trust me, a hundred other people have already figured it out too. Listen, man, I am not technically inclined when it comes to engineering of electronics and stuff like that. And I understand that it's not that hard to like learn it. I have a book in my closet about, you know, how to build pedals and whatnot. I just haven't dug deep into it to actually do it. The reason why there are so many boutique pedal manufacturers is because it's not hard to make a fuzz face or a overdrive pedal in, in a quick little box that you put some wires in and call it good. When you can buy printed out circuit like how to how to build it in like roughly 10 seconds on like i think stumac exactly you know you spent three dollars on a piece of paper which if that's what you need cool they sell all kinds of crazy stuff that i've seen and i've gotten to play on some of the some of the kits that they sell and they're good so i'm not complaining but 
if you can buy it for three dollars, buy the parts and put it together your damn self. Is it really worth buying the six thousand, eight thousand, ten thousand, twelve thousand dollar version of something you can build yourself? If you have to have it, I guarantee there's going to be a million. As, as I was like, JHS has created their own firestorm. Sure. By selling a pedal that you put together, which I'm still waiting on mine. When it gets here, it gets here. Yeah. I, I don't care. Yeah. I, it's probably not even going to end up on my board. So it's just more of the novelty of it. And I wanted it. And sure. So I bought it. Absolutely. Yeah. For $99. Exactly. Not $1,000. And you're waiting patiently for waiting your patiently order to come through. Because it, when it gets here, it gets here. And I'll put it, I'll probably bring, bring it over and we'll yeah screw around with it and probably tear it up anyway so (laughs) (laughs) knowing my luck i have clumsy hands anyways um but it is so easy to learn how to do things we live in the land of freaking youtube like youtube to me is probably the best teacher out of every other teacher because you can literally when I tell people, you know, don't sit there and argue with me, if you can just Google it. If you can Google it or YouTube it, you can figure it out. If you really want this thing and you really want it this way, Google it or YouTube it. I guarantee some smart person out there has already figured it out. And it's you can be as hyper-specific or as general as you want. If I can have Master Chief teach me how to change my oil on my 2006 Nissan Murano, you can figure it out. Yeah. That's a real video, too. I'm well aware. Unfortunately. <laughs> Dude, well, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, it, it just it blows me away. And speaking of the YouTube thing and kind of going back to the Quan thing, when um, I want to say it was Anderton's, did, uh, they were one of the first people to put a video out about the Germanium Tumnus. And they had two silver quans, a gold tumnus, and the germanium tumnus. And you know what they did? They had a loop switcher, and they went one, played a chord, two, played a chord, three, played a chord, four, played a chord. Guess what? They sounded exactly the same. Yeah, that that was a great video because they were like, bah, 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 video over. They all sound the same. Dude, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Now, like, like you, I'm a big fan of Wampler. And when I saw that that pedal came out, I bought it personally for like, not, I don't want to say novelty because it's not the same thing as the JHS thing, but it's a limited run pedal. Yeah. I was like, oh, this would be cool. You know, it's been on my board. I use it a lot. But at the end of the day, if I didn't have it, the Tumnus would be what I was using in its place. Well, it's right there, too. Well, <laughs> that's just for gain stacking options, man. I'm just getting stupid into the weeds as far as the gain stacks go. But but, but at the end of the uh, – the quickest way to summarize this is that if you want to buy something, go ahead. Sure. But if you're going to buy something at an insane markup, do not be surprised when it continues, you get ripped off, or you end up hating – random people or specific people that had nothing to do with your ill-advised purchase. Exactly. There you go. That's that, that put a nice little bow on it. Okay. I'm moving on from this. Cause I don't want to, I'm, I'm, it, it yeah. kills me whenever I see this. It's, it's, it's every fucking day when I see people that just complain about their own misfortunes in the gear world. So we're, it's fine. We're well, not going to, all you have to do is go to the sold on reverb and type in something and you'll see enough things to make you want to pull your own hair out. Well, where I don't do that. I did that for a while just to find some comedy in it, but then it made me upset. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. So I, I don't do that anymore. But anyway. Okay. So you were talking about this before we started recording. So let's talk about Guthrie Trap and what he's been, what he's got going on. Well, actually, ironically, my mom was the one that told me about it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause she, uh, her, her friend is. A friend of a friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Acquaintance yeah. of acquaintances, twice removed or whatever we got going well, on. Here. Whatever <laughs> it is now, God, God knows how she knows so many people. I will never be able to piece together fully. I'm half expecting her to show up and be like, "Hey, it's Gene Simmons of Kiss, <laughs> <laughs> old boyfriend." Yeah, old, old boyfriend. boyfriend. <laughs> 
But anyways, uh, but uh, she told me that he's uh, going to be doing uh, like group lessons and like clinics and stuff oh, like cool. that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which I think one of his first dates is in Cincinnati, and I know it's going to be moving down. He has his trio going on down in Nashville. Sweet. Yeah. And it's like person I've heard of, I've seen on YouTube, I've seen on Facebook, so on and so forth. He kept getting put on my like add a friend on Facebook oh. for the longest time. And I never put two and two together until my mom, like for the millionth time probably was like, you should add Guthrie trap. You should add Guthrie trap. And I'm like, why? <laughs> Cause I know him. Oh, well that put a whole, yeah, that put a whole different spin on it. <laughs> but no, nah, it's just, it, it's a, it's cool to see another creator or, musician kind of being able to start branching out and kind of getting more and i see this quite often it's kind of interesting not to get too far off of off track but have you noticed how like almost and not saying he's a youtuber but have you how every youtuber that is a musician has a course yeah and i can explain that pretty easily well rhett shoal explained it really well because I was watching his videos on why all these people were leaving YouTube. Mm-hmm. And he was like, whenever it comes down to like my monet, what money I make, he was like, like 90, 80, 80 or 90% is nothing but these lessons. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, cause you can't rely on YouTube to no. pay you because they can like you one week. And then the next week you said, Oh darn. Yeah. And they cut you out from any advertisers. Well, and so here's here's the deal with this, and this is what a lot of people don't understand with it's 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 not as nearly as bad as like a Spotify sort of thing. But once again, if you're going to run your own business, which essentially that's what these people are doing, their business is just them or the service they provide via lessons, via whatever. You cannot rely on a third party to be able to pay you. You have to have a sustainable income that you control. Nobody else controls. Like I've said before, social media is just your business card. That, that, that is it. These are facts. You know, the, the, the reason the, but, but once again, the way that you get fans that are willing to pay for a course or willing to go to a Patreon to support you or whatever. The only way that's possible is if you put that sweat equity into those third party entities, such as YouTube, such as Instagram or TikTok or whatever, you know, it's, it's that traditional, like, you know, funnel down marketing or however they say, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you have all your social medias at the top, and you're funneling it down to, let's say, like a podcast or uh, a lesson, whatever. And then you're funneling that down to like a Patreon service or, you know, you know, and so on and so forth. Like actual things that'll make you money. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you. There, there are so many different ways that you can get pulled as far as the whole YouTube thing anyways. Yeah. Because. You know, you, you might get picked up as a, we want you on the song. We want you for this. Yeah. Here's a little, like, little show ditty we want you to do. But it very rarely really turns into, like, oh, I'm selling my music now or I'm selling my CDs now. Like, I don't really see that very often. I see mostly it's, here's a rendition of something or here's something cool that I came up with. And it might end up on your Spotify, but it, you know, it, it's, it's more of means to promote yourself for the thing that's actually driving your income than it is anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so for instance, like what one person that I always look to is, is, is not going to be a surprise is I really like the way that he went about this is Andy Wood. You know, not only is he like a top tier session guy, which that within itself probably could pay the bills. No problem. No doubt. That being said though, how he got, you know, he, I've noticed this over the past, probably about three years with him, maybe a little longer. 
but he just recently, and when I say recently, I'm talking a couple of years, started putting himself out YouTube, different social media platforms, has his own Patreon now, where not only now is he more available for just the wealth of knowledge that that man has of the instrument, but the lessons that he teaches, the music that he's making, you know, like when he put out junk town, it was coincided with the gearbox when they released it, which was a super smart marketing move. Yeah. Which I'm almost positive was intentional. You know, yeah, you're putting out a pedal through a major pedal manufacturer that coincides with an album that you're releasing. Well, out of all of those albums that he's put out, Junktown was the one that he even said, like, really kind of came, he came into his own. And now with this new one that he's coming out with, I guarantee you it'll be roughly about the same because people already know, like, more people now know who he is. So I think that's, like, that's the way you got to look at, if, if, if you're trying to market yourself and put yourself out there, you know, you have to do, like, 15 different things in order to get a sustainable... Well, I... And I thought it was interesting because um, I wish I could give credit. I, I don't remember the YouTuber off the top of my head, but he was talking about Sleep Token. Mm-hmm. Well, Sleep Token, when they first kind of came out and they had their first album, it really didn't do that much. Yeah. Which is to be expected. I mean, it did well within its own little scene. But the thing with Sleep Token is that you don't know who these people are because yeah. they're masked and yeah, painted yeah. up and you know, robed up. And there's like, they're, they have their cult of dreamers, so mm-hmm. to speak, you know, which is if you're going to market a band like that, you know, to have in being anonymous and kind of going into that whole cult of things, you know, it's worked out for other bands too. Twenty One Pilots did that with the yeah. jumpsuit. Ghost album. did it too. Ghost did it too. There, there's several bands. Yeah. So it's not anything new. It's you know, tried and true in some cases. Tried and true, not so much. Depends. But they're the songs that were popular and that they pushed out were getting a little bit more traction here and there as they were going. And so whenever they release the next album, or their most popular album, I'm going to say, which is The Summoning, mm-hmm. what they did is that they released one song, and then they released another song. And it was telling a story all the way through, and it used different pieces of the song that they had done before to interwoven and to kind of given pretty much the plot was either thickening or it was moving to the next thing. So they have marketed consistently like that since a little bit before that album, but mostly that album and now into their next one, which I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's, it's an interesting thing that the way that they market themselves and got to a larger audience and to reaching more people is, mostly by doing this whole marketing and everyone played to death the, the that song the summoning because yeah, it had a yeah. strong intro it had the, the little thing little ditty but then it had that little kind of hate to say it but kind of like uptown funk kind of bass bassy driven groove yeah yeah anyways well, excuse my singing, no. <laughs> but, but it, they had a strong groove that was being dominated over top with vocals. And so it gives, it just has that nice innate bassy groove that kind of makes you rhythm and drive to it. Mm-hmm. And so after that, every song kind of built upon it and by building upon it, they, like I said, they've reached, they, they went from playing tiny shows to now they're, instead of being the first act or second act, now they're headlining shows Yeah, within like two years, yeah. which is insane. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you'll get like that one song that really drives you, but they've been consistently building up, like looking at their Spotify numbers, they went from like, I think it was like 50,000 listeners 
to like close to a million, if not more. Well, I'm not too familiar, and I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't listened to a whole lot of Sleep Token. I have seen and heard a handful of things, but not enough for me to really, you know, know enough not, about not, them. Not every, not every band's for every person. But with what you said about their last like release cycle, right? Everything had like a story to it, right? Well, yes and no. It so pretty much, and I'm not going to get super deep into it because it's kind of off the wall, anyways. But pretty much, it's dream. They're the dreamers, and they worship the goddess of dreamers, or whatever the hell. Yeah. But it, what it was is that each song would build off the last one. So certain parts of the song that they had just released would be in the next song, kind of given like homage back okay. to 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 something, and it's kind of like they're paying homage to the goddess of sleep mm-hmm. or dreams. But it's just it's just a very interesting way of marketing yourself without necessarily you're still releasing music, but you're marketing yourself and your music by getting people invested into what's coming next. Well, no, that's what I was just about to bring up. It's like, okay, like so for instance, I see a lot of people, especially on Instagram and TikTok, being like, Hey, this is my new song. Yeah. Awesome. Why do I care? Well, it's like ten. Uh, the song "Tens" by Pantera. Yeah, and there's like almost no vocals in that entire song, and people are like putting weird, random, like tough guy things over the top of it. And I was like, "Cool." Well, my my thing is, it's like okay, if you're a singer songwriter and you ha- and you're coming out with new music, I want to know the context. Yeah. Of the song. Right. Why do I care? Why should I care? Why, why, like, you know, if you add that human element back into it of like, well, you know, this song is about this time in my life when I, you know, and don't like do like a cry me a river sort of thing, but just you, you give a general idea of what the song's about. And most singer songwriters, if you're doing it right, at least in my opinion, now I could be completely wrong when I say this. You're writing songs that not only are personal to you, but are general enough for other people to relate to. If you're trying to write music like that, then yes. Sure. Which, I mean, just like there's not one flavor of Fanta. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Debatable. But (laughs) what's the flavor? Sugar. Sugar. (laughs) (laughs) But... You know, some songs are just made to be enjoyed in a different context than necessarily it has to have that emotional bond. Yeah. Which, you know, and what I would say is like, you know, especially a lot of what I've heard from Andy Wood is mostly instrumental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is it necessarily I'm supposed to feel something or is it I'm enjoying what is happening? Like yeah. What is what it like? In the moment, do I enjoy what's being played? Am I enjoying like and when I when I hear artists, not to group anyone into a certain group, but like when I hear Satriani and Steve Vai, you know, uh, Paul Gilbert, even Andy Wood, I don't necessarily jam out to their music. I get it. Yeah, I enjoy it. And it's and it's it, it's a nice palate breaker mm-hmm. or like palate cleanser, and you know and it it's downright amazing stuff. And you can learn from what they're doing by listening. Uh, well, I mean for Steve Vai, it's use the whammy bar until <laughs> <so> you almost <laughs> break the damn guitar in half. But and it, you know and, and you can find where a certain artist has a signature flavor, signature sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I can identify Steve Vai within like half a second of stuff, something getting, played. yeah, he starts playing, you know, it's Steve Vai. Yeah. Or Ralph Macchio. If you're, <laughs> if it's super clean <laughs> and on a Telecaster and on a Telecaster with the slide yeah. while playing anyway, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> nothing like classical slide guitar music. <laughs> but, Anywho, but you know, and you have like the the 
driven music and you have the sad music and you have so many different flavors but what i consider artists that play that very technical like almost calibrated style mm-hmm. it's the same reason why i don't really it's not like i like i'm going to jam out to polyphia sure i got you like yeah, like yeah. it's so methodical it's amazing music and they're extremely talented everyone i've listed is ex- amazingly yeah. talented and i enjoy what they play and i think that you can learn from what they're playing but as far as like i'm driving down the road i'm not listening to any of those guys yeah unless it like randomly i get the itching to you know want to make a hard left <laughs> but you know, where, where I listen to Joe Bonamassa, there's that technical playing, and you can kind of kind of categorize him within that same realm of For those sure. players. Yeah. But there's emotional intent in the song because he's singing in the song. And it's like, you know, you don't always have to have singing because I've heard plenty of songs that, you know, practically make me want to bust out in tears because they're just beautiful. Mm-hmm. But it's not a part of my regular jam list playlist. No, no, I get it. And, and that's, that's why I think context is so important when you're, you know, you're, you are not Joe Bonamassa, right? So if, if if you want to go out and put out your own music, you have to give people a reason to want to go listen to it because your name title to it isn't. Yeah. I I mean, that's true. I mean, it's the same reason why I think Van Halen, hot take van halen was more popular with their their more popular songs to me or when it's if you say what you're about to say i think i might be upset with you what but go ahead with <laughs> with david lee roth oh okay in. good we're good okay what did you think i was gonna i thought say? you were gonna talk about the van hagar era how that was the most popular songs i was about to be very upset I would rather jump out the window. I would have thrown you out the window. No, no. And, and, and first, first of all, it's not Van Halen. It's Van Hagar That's at that true. point. Okay. Yeah. My heart almost skipped a beat uh, there for a I, I was trying to remember his, his name. No, you're good, man. You're good. I, that, that's always my fun part. I can't remember names. But no, David Lee Roth. But I enjoy the songs that were sung on. Yeah. Because Eruption's cool. And Eruption was, you know, downright amazing at the time. But... I didn't grow up with that music. Sure. I, well, I sort of did, but I didn't grow up when that music was being released. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, you, you know, going back into a lexicon of music from before you were born, you have so much music behind you and so much music ahead of you. What kind of makes your drum kick is going to be completely up to you. Cause you'll have some people. Oh, well, I only listen to seventies music. Okay. What is, what does that mean? Do you listen to everything from the seventies? Yeah. Right. You know, or do you listen to everything from the eighties the nineties, the two thousands and so on? You know, it being like, I only like the sixties. Okay. Well, you and I are not going to get along very well because there's been so much music released. There's music that fits that genre that was released yesterday. Yeah. Just as there was the, that music then. Yeah. So saying, oh, I only like this era. That's cool. Yeah. But there's so much more music than that. Well, it's kind of like to go back to what we started with, man. It's like, you know, it's like I only like overdrives if it's a con. <laughs> you know what I mean? The con is the pinnacle of what overdrive was supposed to be. And if you like anything else from after 1969 music wise, and it's, it's not classic rock. If it's not, you know, if I'm not getting the let out, it's not anything, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, technically Metallica is all classic rock now too. So, well, I mean, it depends on how you want to, you know, qualify classic rock. Right. But the thing is, is you would, the, the more you qualify it, the more it, it, you could you could sit there and you could qualify everything down because I mean it it'd be like saying all rap is just rap, right? No, no. It, it, or all country music's all country music. Yeah, it, that is such a wide band of music 
it's not even anywhere close. Like <laughs> one of the most, one of the more popular country stars now was a rapper. Yeah. Before then. So like you can narrow it down all you want, but at the end of the day, it just because you don't like this doesn't mean that you won't like this, especially if you're not even willing to give it a, give it a shot. Yeah. Cause it's like, I got into that when I was probably in high school. I only was listening to blues and rock. Never gave anything a chance. Wouldn't even give Alter Bridge a chance. Mm-hmm. Boy, was I wrong. Well, and that's <laughs> that's the thing that a lot of people, I think it's it happens with a lot of um, more younger people. But I don't like saying that either because I've seen plenty of people my age and older that it it's do the it's same just, thing. It, it's not really a, so, a it's not necessarily a group. It's just there are some people that that's it's yeah. It's more of a mindset, I guess. It's more, more than more a, of a mindset than anything. <coughs> yeah, I just I I don't know, and I fall I've fallen into that category before too, man. Where it's like I only I'm only listening to this artist or I'm only listening to this person or you know, I'm only listening to this genre or whatever, but a good thing to do, especially as a musician. And I think I've said it before on the podcast. If I haven't, here you go. The second you start to do that, you're going to get stuck in a rut and you're not going to have any new ideas. And the best way, in my opinion, to get out of that is to play with somebody or play music that is completely Outside of your comfort zone. Now, I'm not saying you got to go like if you're like a rock metal guy, I'm not saying you got to go all the way to the other side of the spectrum and start playing like classical fingerstyle guitar. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Just something outside of your comfort zone that's still somewhat within that realm. So if you're into that like rock and metal, and you like, so that's like a really right hand oriented thing. Dude, go look up some like classic funk bands and start getting those grooves down with that right hand or if you're a left-handed guitar player your left hand whatever your, your strumming hand your strumming hand there we go i'm gonna clarify. I only use my toes i do well toes man <laughs> i was gonna say something else but i don't think it's family appropriate but anyway let's go for, <laughs> moving on swiftly <laughs> um but no yeah like and that. that's when everything turned yep <laughs> But no, that, that, that's like one of the things I was talking to a student of mine that I have. Uh, this younger kid, he's probably about 14, maybe 15, super into Pantera and whatnot, and he can't get a lot of his, um, his right hand down. And I gave him a few of the like very percussive like funk you know, exercises you can do with your right hand and you know, just trying to like explain to him to play his guitar in a percussive manner instead of like trying to pick these individual notes. Yeah. Cause that's going to help them out in the long run with that right hand control, you know? Well, it's easier to, to me, it's always, if I can, if I can figure it out, regardless of how clean it is when I do figure it out, yeah, you can practice cleaning it up. Yeah. 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 But until you kind of break through that wall, it can really hinder you. Like it, it that's why it was always funny. Cause you know, for longest time, longer than I probably should have, I thought sweet picking was the thing. Sure. And it wasn't until I focused more on what my right hand was doing. Yeah. And stopped worrying about what my left hand was doing. <clears throat> Cause now I can know, now I know what I know how to, fix the left hand to make the right hand work. Right. But when you're trying to make you, when you got the left hand down, you're trying to make the right hand work. It, it, it's almost impossible. Well, unless you're trying to do like legato stuff where your right hand's not really too involved. Yeah. No, I'm talking like just straight up. Yeah. But that, that's the thing. Like, and with those, with those exercises that you do, what ends up happening is you're, you're fine tuning those, those, you know, tendons and those muscles in your hand to build up that muscle memory. Right. You know, and, and the coolest part about that is, is once he's like, for instance, that student that I have, once he starts to get down those basic percussive rhythms, he's going to be so much more accurate 
when he starts playing, you know, the more heavier the yeah. alt rock or the metal stuff, that right hand is just going to be on it. You yeah. know? Well, I mean, it's like it, there's important lessons that you can take away, take away from other genres. Yeah. That you won't necessarily think of right away, right no. away. Nope. And there's certain staples in those genres, especially like funk, you know, a lot of my rhythm side came from playing funk and ska and jazz. Yeah. So I have a weird way of like swinging and yeah, you do. Yeah. (laughs) Left to right. It's, it's, it's very (laughs) annoying to play with Mike from time to time. I'm not going to lie. Not in a bad way, but it's like you, you give me these like rhythm parts of this song that you've written, and I'm just like, God, what? Okay. I guess this is how I've got to play this now, you know? No, it's a good thing, though, man, because it, it, it's breaking me out of that like straight, you know, more traditional rock, you know, sort of rhythms that I am more yeah. accustomed to. Well, it's like, and um, a friend of mine was trying to, t- uh, kind of going over like a bluegrass rhythm mm-hmm. and now the rhythm i do is not bluegrass because honestly i can never quite get it figured out i got it figured out okay decent yeah but it was never i mean he could do it better than i could and he was like yeah he was like i'm not even a guitar player in the family i'm the fiddle player well that's why yeah that too but you know just from that, you can get you can get humbled in so many different ways. Is really what it comes down to is, you know, just because you can do X, Y, and Z technique, you still have the rest of the alphabet. Yeah. And you can sit there the rest of your life working on being a flamenco player and someone can hand you Yingwei Malmstein and you absolutely, you know, nope. Well, Andy Wood or any, any it doesn't even have to be a technical guitarist. It could be uh, John Frusciante, yeah, or even Tom Morello and all his weirdness. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can get humbled in so many different ways, and sometimes for some people it's going to be like, oh, pff, that's easy. But for the same, you could hand it to someone else, and then that be the most complicated thing that they've ever seen. Yeah. Well, I saw a, um, are you familiar with a band called Marvin by any chance? It's like yes. a jazz fusion sort of thing. I'm, I'm really into them. Um, I like their music a lot and I'm really digging. They've been, been on pushing social media hard for like probably six years now. And, um, every time I see them, it's always an entertaining video. They're, they're kind of funny, you know, the typical jazz thing where they're a little bit arrogant, but they can back it up. You know what I mean? <laughs> sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I'm not at that level yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the things he was talking about, and I as a guitar player uh, named Danny, um, he was talking about how, like, you know, thinking about music as a language and thinking about, like, you know, if you have a child or if you growing up, right, you don't just start learning the alphabet and start speaking, right? You have to understand the world around you before you can even attempt to do things like that. No, that's the way he's like talking about approaching music now, specifically jazz and stuff like that, but understanding the environment that you're in before you start trying to speak the language. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you can sit there and you can group a bunch of notes together and call it jazz, but you know, you can throw a bunch of things in your refrigerator on two slices of bread and call it a sandwich. Doesn't necessarily make it so. Exactly. And I think that's one of the problems that I have with a lot of the younger students that I've seen lately is some of the more intermediate, like in that in between a beginner intermediate, they're really technically good because they grew up with YouTube and TikTok and all that. So they, they have the, the ability to play, like you said, a grouping of notes. But now when you try to add context to it, now we don't know what to do. You know what I mean? It's the same thing as whenever I teach somebody anything about your minor pentatonic scale. And they just like, when you start to talk about your five positions of it, they just feel like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. I don't, I don't Well, like, that's when the eyes gloss over. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I just need this right here. And it's like, okay, you're not wrong, I guess. That's, 
there's plenty of people that get by just fine with position one and call it good. That being said, though, if you're going to be in a in an immersed environment with other musicians, having that technical knowledge of how to navigate that situation musically is so much more beneficial than you being able to play your double stops or your bends with your typical, you know, you know, bending up a quarter note to hit that blue note back and forth over and over and over and over again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, it's like, you know, when people are like, Oh, well this is Phrygian or this is harmonic minor or melodic minor. or This is dominant or whatever, whatever technical terminal knowledge that you want to use or terminology that you want to use. That's cool. And if you know that stuff, that's good too. But if you can't put it in a context that fits what I'm doing, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because if it sounds good, it is good within reason. Sure, absolutely. Because the Freebird solo sounds good and is good in a certain reason or at a certain time, but it's the last thing you want to hear as a musician, no, 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 yeah. That, <laughs> but like, if I if I was playing in a, or if I'm playing in a band and I go solo and you start playing the Freebird solo, I might hit you with my guitar. I'm definitely doing it. Like something's you, getting you, thrown. It it might be like that one scene in uh, the Dirt when he takes off his bass and slams it into the side <laughs> of the dude's head, like. Yeah, that. Welcome to welcome to band practice. Right. Wham. <laughs> but well, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Getting I, hit in the head with a guitar. <laughs> I said melodic major. <laughs> no, but yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. Whenever I've whenever I get into like different modes and stuff like that with students and or different you know positions that we can utilize like a three note per string shape, I try to find something and i i just explained to them that all we're doing right now is expressing a feeling opposed to you know opposed to a technical name like yes i i'll tell you okay this is going to have more of a lydian feel and what's it sound like to you it sounds kind of ethereal it sounds kind of spacey it sounds kind of you know stretched out there and you know interesting like like you, you 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 can associate whatever describing word you want to that mode you know what i mean you as a player but that's what i try to 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 relay to them it's like this is the kind of emotion that you can convey with this sort of shape or if you want to play more of a harmonic minor you know and you want to get those like crazy sweeping arpeggios with that stuff like yes that's the that's another kind of emotion you can uh, equip associate with that sort of style you know and the crazy thing is, and this is what I love the most, and this is what happens, is once the gears start turning and they start to realize that you're still only utilizing 12 notes and you're just slightly changing a handful just to give it that different five. You're, you're, you know, you're going to flat a third or you're going to, you know, sharp a seventh or something. You know what I mean? And yeah. next thing well, you know. It, it, context is everything when it comes down to, you know, because I get it all the time. How do I solo? Yeah. And it's like, that is a question that you could literally make several videos and plenty of people have made several videos yeah. on it. And, you know, like if I hear the word caged again, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. It's kind of a, because not a good buzzword. No. Cause I was like, you also have B <laughs> like i don't know why that got left out i was like the thrill is gone is not that interesting if it's not in b yeah, yeah. <laughs> like b minor it's you can sit there or f i was like you can literally fill in a whole context of sharps and flats and way different things on a on a fretboard i understand you know everyone kind of needs to have that basic foundation of this is the scale this is the scale but do whenever i'm playing 
or if I'm actually soloing, I'm not going, you know, it'd sound really good right now. Phrygian. <laughs> like, no, like I'm not, I, I don't even think about it. What, what I do most of the time when I solo is I go, well, that note sounded good. Well, that note sounded good. Well, those note that, 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 that sounded pretty good. Oh, that didn't sound that good. Okay. Well, let me, let me make it up right here. Okay. Yeah. That sounded really good. Hey, it, that's when in doubt, just chromatic till you get to the right one, man. Oh, I thought it was whip it out, but okay. Yeah. That works too. <laughs> whip out your chromatics. Yeah. Whip out the chromatics. There you go. That's the title. Maybe. <laughs> Anyway, man, I think that's a good place to cut it off for today. <laughs> we're going, we're going down a dark path, man. It keeps creeping by, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go down there. We'll lose all the listeners that we have here. But, um, <laughs> yeah, thank you guys for hanging out again this week. Uh, sorry about the delays, you know, sicknesses and whatnot. But um, yeah, we didn't go anywhere. So appreciate it, and we will check you guys next week on Man the Helm podcast. Mm-hmm.